0: From the Brainswell Media Studios, this is the Sales Training World broadcast with your sales coach, Ryan Dorn. Ryan is an Emmy winner, a certified business coach, and a 25-year sales and marketing veteran. He has trained over 4,000 sales professionals in seven countries, and he still sells today. No fluff, no bull. Tactical and practical sales and business advice to help your business go places you never thought possible. Welcome to Sales Training World, Now, your sales coach, your business coach, your host, Ryan Dorn. Hey everybody, Ryan Dorn here and welcome to the podcast for the month of September 2017. Recording the podcast in the middle of uh, Hurricane Irma blowing outside uh, the studios here in South Carolina. Of course, we didn't get uh, anything like they received down in Florida. Quite a storm, Category 4 and then a 3 and now just a tropical storm as we record our podcast here uh, in the month of September Uh, here in uh, South Carolina. Also recording uh, this podcast on a somber day. This is the uh, remembrance of 9-11. Do you remember where you were on 9-11? I was working in the media business at the time at Morris Communications in Augusta, Georgia. So I'm sure that you're like me. Remember where you were on that somber day. So just a real thank you to all the men and women that are serving the United States Armed Forces, for taking such good care of us. And and also a big thank you to those that are often forgotten, the CIA, NSA, Homeland Security, FBI, etc., all those fine folks that often are forgotten that work tirelessly day in and day out. Uh, to protect the homeland. So thanks so much uh, for being there for us. All right, despite the wind, we're going to talk about things that affect our lives, and that is our lives as salespeople. So I've got a very special guest uh, with us today that's going to answer uh, the questions that you send in to Ryan at ryandorn.com, D O H. RN Ryan at ryandorn.com and uh, he's the author of a book called Dealmaker Manifesto. Matt Skinner is going to be here today and Matt is uh, in the real estate and sales business. But where I'd really like to focus our conversation with Matt is really in uh, terms of he is sold a lot of things. Meaning a lot of salespeople like you and me we're trying to sell him advertising. We're trying to sell him software, trying to sell him all of those kinds of things and uh, he's going to give us his perspective on hey, what could we do to sell him more? I mean, he's a multi-million dollar real estate inv- investor. What could we do to potentially sell him more? All right, so before we get to that, though, I think a part of the sales life that you all would agree is so unbelievably important is researching your clients, your prospects, before you actually make a phone call or send them an email. So you probably noticed from the title of the, po- of the podcast, we're gonna talk today about the top 12 things that salespeople do wrong on LinkedIn, okay? The top 12 things salespeople do wrong on LinkedIn. Now, I'm, I'm only assuming, <laughs> at least I'm hoping that all of you uh, have a LinkedIn profile and you're at all-star status, but maybe, maybe you don't. So let me tell you about some of the things that people do wrong. And uh, there's a lot of great information that's out there. I've tried to whittle it down to 12 things. All right, number one, okay, that number one thing, Uh, that people do wrong or salespeople do wrong on LinkedIn is not having a picture. So according to LinkedIn, profiles with pictures are 11 times more likely to be viewed than profiles without pictures. Now, let me give you a couple of thoughts on that. I actually saw a guy with a picture of he and his dog. I thought that was, you know, pretty cool. Thought it was pretty cool. Nice conversation piece. Then I saw somebody that had a glamour shots done. And I know this person. It was not representative of at all of this person. And so you want to make sure that the photograph is obviously representative. And then I also saw some pictures of folks that were at parties and things like that. And that also is probably not the image that you want to be, um, you know, sending out there. So here's what I'd love to suggest to you. Maybe go outside on a nice, beautiful day, uh, make sure your hair is done or whatever, and have someone take a picture of you in a nice environment or maybe in your office or something like that. What I don't probably think you need to do is hire a professional photographer, but if you are someone that's in the professional business, it may be something that you might consider. You don't always have to have a tie on, um, but you want to make sure that it's representative of the business that you do. A lot of folks, your pictures, I'm sorry, your pictures are terrible, and they're not representative of who you actually are or how you want the world to be perceived. Our number two of 12 things salespeople do wrong on LinkedIn, not having a summary. You know, when your picture pulls up underneath of it is where you went to college and your little headline, not having a summary without it your profile might as well just be your resume, okay? So it's very, very important for you to have a summary. Talk about what you've done in your life, personally, professionally, things that make you different than others. Some of you are job seekers. If you're seeking a job, that summary is really important. Here's how important. That that summary is sort of the first 15 seconds that you have to capture somebody's attention. So make sure you make it good. But then the third thing that people often do wrong, especially salespeople on LinkedIn, you're using way too many buzzwords in your summary and in your profile. You want to avoid words like rock star, ninja, sales guru, uh, sales evangelist. Those type of phrases uh, just reek of ego. And even though we know that sales is very often driven a lot by ego, I think you would agree with me on that. You want to be kind of careful uh, about that. All right. Top 12 things salespeople do wrong on LinkedIn. Number four is writing in the third person. Ryan Dorn is a great person. Ryan Dorn has done this. Ryan has done that. That's just not very personal. And what I've noted online and what experts will tell you that want to help you is either a job seeker or somebody that's a professional online is that you really want to, you know, make sure that you're writing in the first person. So what that means is, hi, I'm Ryan, and I love coffee, I love travel, I love spending time with my family, and of course, I love, love, love sales. In my sales career, I've had the opportunity to work for great companies like Disney, ABC, and worked with companies like the Army and the New York Times. You want to make sure that it's personal, make sure that it flows, you want to sprinkle in personal and professional. Now, a lot of folks when they're writing their summary, they actually don't sprinkle in anything from their personal life. I believe this is a huge mistake. People want to know you personally, but they also want to know you professionally. So, as I look around my office, you'll notice that I love to read, I love to to write, I love to draw. I love coffee. I'm a lover of all kinds of good, good quality coffee. Share those type of things. Give people a little bit of glimpse into your soul. Now, don't forget, as much as you use LinkedIn to research others, they use LinkedIn to research you. If you don't agree with me, LinkedIn is probably, if not the, one of the best sales resources for salespeople today. Whether you use Sales Navigator or not, LinkedIn is a fantastic tool. So you need to understand that a lot of your prospects are looking back to you. Now, some people ask me, Ryan, should I try to connect with my prospects before I actually have a chance to meet them or before I have a meeting or know them? My opinion is no. I try to only connect with people that I have some type of connection with. I believe the reason that my 1,400 some odd connections of LinkedIn benefit me is because I've been picky. I don't just connect with anybody. I connect with people that I've done business with or I think could help me and I could help grow their business and they can help me grow mine. All right, number five, not including an email address, or your applicable social media accounts. I think that's very important for you to understand on your LinkedIn profile. You want people to be able to connect with you easily through your professional channels. A lot of you have set up LinkedIn using your Gmail account, and if you check that often, that's probably okay. But what I would consider is updating it so that you see those uh, LinkedIn updates that you see those in your business email account, something that you would check on a regular basis. Now, I'm not a fan uh, in terms of uh, meeting with my clients on my personal Facebook page, so I try to keep that kind of business oriented. I do a lot of that though on on my Twitter account, so that's okay. I want to list all of my applicable social media accounts on my LinkedIn profile as well. The top twelve things that salespeople do wrong. Ret number six. And the sixth thing people do wrong is not personalizing connection requests. And the reason I think this is so important is because you do want to connect with clients. You do want to connect with those that you're doing business with. But if you just send a generic connection request, sometimes they just get overlooked. And so it's important for you to understand that you explain to people why it is that you want to connect with them. So it might be, hi, Bob, appreciate doing business with you at XYZ Company. Love to connect on LinkedIn so we can both grow our businesses further. By the way, really appreciate uh, your business or whatever the circumstance is. Personalizing connection requests is something that's very important uh, to do. All right. Number seven of the top 12 things salespeople do wrong on LinkedIn is not taking advantage of profile views. What do I mean by that? In case you don't know about LinkedIn, when someone on LinkedIn views your profile, it's going to track a profile view. Now keep in mind in order to see all the profile views, you're going to need to upgrade to a business account. And I think it's well worth the investment. I know when you're on LinkedIn, you get solicited by LinkedIn to upgrade and you might think they're just trying to sell you something. And well, I mean, they are, but it's also a fantastic service. You get so much when you upgrade to business. Now you don't need to use sales navigator per se, although I like it a lot. You do need a business account to see all of those profile views. Now, not taking advantage of profile views means you really don't know who's looking at your profile. You really don't know who's doing what as it relates to your profile. And so because of that, you miss out on some valuable intelligence, some recon. And I think that's really, really important. Also, if people are within your industry, your community, within the area of influence where you sell, when you see someone like that that's looking at your profile, then what I do is I reach out to them. Now, I don't say, hey, by the way, John, I saw that you're looking at my LinkedIn profile. I don't do that. In, some people do. Instead, what I do is I use that intelligence to remind me to reach out to somebody. So instead, what I typically would do, and this is my opinion, don't send me hate mail about this if you disagree, is I actually say the guy's name is John Doe. I see these looked at my profile. That's going to trigger me to reach back out to John Doe. So what I'll do then is go into my CRM, see what my communications, if anything, has ever been okay with John Doe, Then I'm gonna reach out to him maybe 24 hours later so it doesn't come across as being too creepy and say, hey, John, the other day I was thinking about your company as it relates to X, Y, and Z. I'd love to connect with you about your product related to this. I'm very, very specific. I might mention some things that I learned on LinkedIn, but I typically don't say, hey, I saw you were looking at my profile on LinkedIn. A lot of people disagree with me, but I use it as a way to trigger me, reminding me of people that are showing some interest in my company or in my profile. All right, number eight of things salespeople do wrong, surfing LinkedIn in anonymous mode. Now, if you don't know what anonymous mode is, I kind of even hate to tell you because I don't want you to do it, but you can go to your profile and you can actually turn on anonymous mode. What that means is as you're surfing on LinkedIn, you're going to show up as an anonymous user. Now, why is it that people do that? Well, because misguided or untrained salespeople have been told that it's creepy to look at other people on LinkedIn. That's just nuts. That's crazy. I want people to know that I'm looking at them. I want people to know, especially my prospects. I want my prospects to know that I'm doing research on them. I want them to know that I'm learning about them. I want to prove to them that I'm relevant and that I'm doing my homework. That's why I don't want to surf in anonymous mode. Now, a lot of you are going to email me. Ryan at RyanDorn.com, by the way, go ahead. Send me the hate mail. You're going to email me and say, Ryan, but it's creepy. Looking at people online is creepy. Listen, 1999 is calling. They want you back. Okay. It's not creepy. We live in a digital age. We want people to know that we're looking at them online. We that's, it's creepy. When you try to hide from people online, if you are a sales professional in today's environment, come on, get with it. You need to learn how to use the tools that LinkedIn has right there in front of you. All right, number nine, and that is not turning off your activity feed when updating your profile. That's a mistake. You want to turn off your activity feed when you were updating your profile. Let me explain because there are times when you do want to leave it on. All right, so let's just say after this podcast, you're like, holy cow, Ryan, you have inspired me to redo my LinkedIn profile. Sweet, that's the goal, okay? I want you to have a rock star profile on LinkedIn. What I would suggest though, if you're gonna make massive wholesale changes to your LinkedIn profile, what you wanna do is when you click on Edit Profile, the little pencil, you wanna scroll down on the right, I believe it's on the right. And you want to toggle off or turn off the switch that says update your connections once you've updated your profile. The reason you want to turn that off is because I don't want people to know that I'm making 65 changes to my profile. Now, when I'm done, what I'm going to do is I'm going to save it. I'm going to go and then turn it on. And then I'm going to make a very minor change, which is then going to alert all of my connections that I've updated my profile. Now, I'm not suggesting that when you get a new job that you shouldn't let people know about the update. I'm not suggesting that when you make a tweak on your profile, you always need to turn it off. What I'm suggesting is that as a salesperson, if you're changing jobs, if you are uh, doing wholesale updates, you might want to consider turning it off so that every connection of yours isn't updated every time you make a little itty bitty change to your LinkedIn profile because they're all going to get alerted. All right. Number 10 of the top 12 things salespeople do wrong on LinkedIn. Number 10 is not being a member of any groups. Man, that is a shame. Being a member of LinkedIn groups is so unbelievably important, my friends. There's gold inside of those groups. Let's talk about that for a second, because a lot of salespeople handle LinkedIn groups incorrectly, in my opinion. So what you want to do is you want to go look at your customers on LinkedIn and see what groups they're a part of, or go and look at industries. Find groups within your industries, your community, etc., that you sell within. Then ask to join those groups. Now, um, some groups you won't need to have permission to join, but those that are locked down are usually better groups to be a part of anyway. Now, don't be offended if the uh, person that's the administrator of the group denies you, because a lot of salespeople get involved in groups, and guess what they do? They get inside those groups and they sell. My friends, that is the wrong thing to do. Instead, what you want to do is get inside those groups and offer helpful advice, thoughtful advice. Then what I do is I put my signature, at the end of the comment that I make in the group, I put my signature from my email underneath of my name. That's the only selling that I do. I truly believe the less you sell, the more you sell. People know what you're selling. They get it. If you get in those groups and you sell, you're gonna find that they're either gonna run you off or they're gonna have a negative feeling about you. Get involved in the groups. Be helpful. Be thoughtful. Use your signature within the post to say who you are. Don't sell within those groups unless somebody asks for specific product recommendations. Don't forget, number 10, not being a member of any groups. That's a mistake. Get involved. All right, number 11 of those top 12 things salespeople do wrong on LinkedIn. Number 11. Is updating your LinkedIn profile only once and never again? Friends, you want to keep your profile current. You want to make sure that you're uh, sharing things uh, of colleagues and your clients on LinkedIn. Just like Facebook, you check it every day. You check Instagram every day. Check LinkedIn. When your clients are sharing something about their company that's positive, give it a thumbs up. Share it if it's appropriate. If you are one of those people that likes to write articles about your industry, publish some articles, have a good time on LinkedIn. It is the social network of all networks as it relates to business. Also, don't forget, you want to keep your LinkedIn profile current, but if you're sitting there and all you're doing nonstop is updating, making changes, uh, don't forget uh, what we were talking about earlier, and that is making sure that you turn off your update profile feed, your connections feed when you're doing that. All right, last but not least, number 12 of things salespeople do wrong on LinkedIn. And that's number 12 is not following any influencers. My friends, you want to make sure you're following people that are influential within your industry, your community, or your sector. Truly, these people are connected to the who's who's and the what's what within the industries and within the sectors you serve. So you want to follow these people. You want to keep up with these people to know what the heck is going on. So how do you find out who these people are? Go and look at your big clients, see who they're following, see who their influencers are. Spend some time figuring this out and follow influencers on LinkedIn. Now, I believe in LinkedIn. LinkedIn is not paying for this podcast or anything like that. But what I really believe in is I believe in research. And I believe that LinkedIn is one of the best ways for you to research online. People ask me all the time, Ryan, do I need a business upgraded business account to a pro plan on LinkedIn? The answer is no, you don't. But if you want the keys to the kingdom to be unlocked in terms of all the deep, deep benefits of LinkedIn, yeah, you're gonna want a business account. And you might even want to think about using sales navigator as well. So reach out to LinkedIn, they can give you all of the details on that. Now, a lot of times on these podcasts, what I'll do is I'll have salespeople on the podcast. And what I recently heard from you, the listeners, is To uh, You sent me some emails, ryan at ryandorn.com, D-O-H-R-N is my last name. Hey, Ryan, why don't you have some people uh, online that are successful in business that we as salespeople sell to? Why don't you have them on and let's pick their brains. Well, I have found that person. And that person is Mr. Matt Skinner. Now, Matt is not your average guy. Matt is a high achiever from very humble beginnings. He wrote a book called The Deal Maker Manifesto. Now, Matt is in the real estate business. He's a multi-million dollar real estate developer. He survived the Great Recession. Uh, he's been in construction. He sold newspapers. He sold real estate. You name it, he sold it. But More importantly, he sits on the other side of the phone and the other side of the inbox from salespeople just like you and me. So, Matt, welcome to the program. I can only bet uh, that you are inundated with emails and phone calls from salespeople on a daily basis.
1: 100% right about that. Um, with some of the properties, I have a property right now in Newport Harbor. Uh, we bought a half an acre lot, on the uh, it has a white sandy beach, literally the largest private dock on the western seaboard. Hmm, nice. And it, it's probably the most desirable piece of residential real estate in, on the planet. And I'm not exaggerating by that. I was really wow. fortunate to buy it. Nice. Uh, we purchased it for a l- $11.4 million last year, and we're just about to break ground on some houses on it. But my point of this is I get solicited at least five or six times a week about what do I want to sell it? Can I, can I list it? Can, you know, can, can I market your property? And, uh, so we, we hear all kinds of pitches. I hear all kinds of pitches every week just on that one property, people wanting to buy it or get involved with it one way or the other.
0: Yeah. You know, vendor, I'm sure you get vendors, suppliers. I mean, I imagine you get all kinds of calls and emails from all kinds of different people.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So what I'd love to, to, you know, to pick your brain on a little bit, because you have had to sell. So in the investment business, you've got to sell people on ideas to invest in your projects. And you're getting sold on these things. Um, I have three questions that I'd love to get both sides of your opinion on. It would be the sales side. And then from the side of, okay, if you were a salesperson doing this to me, how would you react? So Gabriel from Dallas, one of our uh, sales training world listeners, sent me in this question, which I think is really interesting. He said, I'm 34 and my sales manager is 48. I just do not feel the phone is helping me sell. I'd like to sell via email only. So first, what he's asking is first, am I right? (laughs) Second, (laughs) if I'm right, how do I convince my boss that making 45 calls every day is not a good use of my time? So what do you think about, so as somebody that has to sell yourself, how do you feel Mm -hmm. about email only versus phone? And then if you don't mind, maybe flip it. And as a person that receives solicitations, hundreds of them a week, which do you prefer, phone, email, both? What what's your thought? If you don't mind, uh, Matt, on both sides of the equation.
1: Well, the first thing I'll say is Gabriel is right because as a salesperson, we always want to affirm what our uh, <laughs> what our people are saying, right? So you're absolutely right, Gabriel. You're, you're uh, and, and then let's move from there. Um, no, the the truth of the matter is um, I don't. I, I'm actually terrible with my email. Um, if it's, doesn't even look like it's a a burning fire, (laughs) uh, I usually pass it up or delete it. Mm -hmm. Um, I figure if somebody really wants to get a hold of me, they're going to call me. So as a person being solicited, email is actually just totally non-effective for me. Nice. Um, (laughs) however, having said that we run a lot of sales funnels off of social media. Uh, We run radio ads. We do a lot of different, um, marketing strategies for different things whether we're selling a property or raising capital for a project uh, or, or what have you uh, We have a lot of different marketing avenues and we, we always drive people to a funnel where they can get educated by video and then we put them into a follow-up system through email. So the emails always and the, and the funnels and everything is all driven back to the phone. So I kind of have a reverse engineered idea about this which is I like to use email to get them to call in. Uh, and so that when they call in, I can say, Hey, you know, what made you decide to reach out to me today It really reverses the frame as opposed to, I, you know, I'm, uh, I'm cold calling people or I'm, I'm out there, you know, chasing them down to get involved with what we're doing. I want them to call me or at least schedule an appointment with me so that, uh, I can find out how I can help them.
0: Yeah. I had a guy uh, today that he said, um, in a sales call, so he had sent me an email with a video in the email, which I thought, huh, cool. So I clicked on it and he was tracking it in the background. He was tracking it and he reached out to me. He got me on the phone, which is unusual, but he said something kind of cool. He said, what made you decide to take this meeting with me? Mm. And, and I told him, I said, it was the video in your email. I mean, it was the video that you sent through. I thought the video was really cool and it was, uh, you know, it was engaging. So the interesting piece about what you said is using video to draw people to get them to call you. That's cool. I like it. How's it working?
1: Well, it works. It it works really well. I'll tell you a little um, a little secret. (laughs) Awesome. Uh, I don't I don't know if a lot of if a lot of um, this audience is is using sales funnels or anything like that. But uh, we've really uh, leaned on that a lot in the last couple of years. To generate leads and to create our uh, awareness of what we're doing. Um, But it used to be where we could buy a list of our target audience and -hmm. then we'd load them into a social media platform and then market to them through and run ads and hope that they go back and opt into our um, funnels and then we can follow up with them by email and then hopefully get them on the phone. Well, what what we've really recently done is taken that that same list of folks and you can skip trace them and get their cell phone numbers and then text message them. Nice. And so we've been using text message in a very effective way, which eliminates all of those other steps.
0: Mm-hmm. Some people don't
1: want to get text uh, quote unquote spammed and they'll tell you and that's fine. Um, but I actually live by text. I've, I've, I've sold through text, text. Mm-hmm. Here's some information about the property. Here's what we're doing. Would you like, to buy it, and people say, Yeah, I'm in. Let's write an offer. Here's the parameters of my offer on the property, or Would you like to invest with us? Here's the deal and what it looks like. And I may mean, have literally closed deals 100% through text, through LinkedIn messaging, or through Facebook messaging. Um, and uh, so, this kind of technology, it's almost like people. Don't want to be on the phone anymore. Yeah, it's like they're scared to talk to people. It's like a I don't know, a waste of time. There's a param- there's like this veil up where humans are having a hard time interacting verbally anymore, and they mm-hmm. want to go to text.
0: Yeah, and you know, for for some more senior level sellers, let's just say let's just just call it, call it sixty five plus. Okay, um, people that still yeah. want to sell, they don't want to retire, and I have a lot of respect for that. They're, they want to stay busy. It might be hard for some of them to switch over to this, you know, this way of selling. But I've just, I bought uh, a business insurance policy uh, from actually a local agent uh, here in my area. I would say 90% of it, uh, the transaction occurred over text. We talked a couple of times and we emailed only once. So going back to Gabriel's question, I think whether you're 34 or your manager is 48, I don't know that it's necessarily an age difference. Maybe senior sellers need to be willing to adopt some new philosophies, but uh, what I'm hearing from you is you're a sophisticated guy. I mean, you're running multi-million-dollar businesses, and you don't prefer to be sold via email. So, Gabriel, mm-hmm. That's true. I think you might want to adjust your plan.
1: Might adjust the plan. I uh, and I feel right right in the middle of there, age-wise. So, uh, <laughs> I'm neither the 48 or the 35. So I get <laughs> I get, I get, I get it. <laughs> hey, rock and roll. Exactly. Just just text me if you want to sell me something, would you? <laughs> <laughs> so you're both wrong <laughs> yeah, that's, awesome. that's awesome
0: all right, so on that same topic of um, phone versus email selling, really, what is the winning combination? uh Rebecca from uh, San Jose asked this question san jose where do you where are you at on the west coast by the way?
1: I'm in Laguna Beach, California.
0: Oh, okay I was in san, san Jose not that long ago. What a great uh part of the uh, of the country as well. Uh, up there in uh, California. All right, here's what Rebecca asks. Our company is hyper-focused on using LinkedIn to sell, meaning using InMail, connecting with new clients on LinkedIn. And what she's saying is it's not working so well for me at all. Any advice on using LinkedIn to boost my sales game? Is that an area there, Matt, where you or your colleagues, your company, do you guys use LinkedIn a lot?
1: That's a great question. I, um, I, I actually want to use it more, and I believe that it's probably a very powerful tool. I have some friends that have just crushed it on LinkedIn, and mm-hmm. I have not experimented or learned enough about it yet um, to do it. But in fact, I just had a meeting with my uh, my marketing director about how we need to utilize LinkedIn uh, in a better way. But I will um, um, I will say this for her, you know, for her, obviously, her company has experimented with some different things and something's working for, for them. Uh, So some advice I might give a young salesperson who's not getting the results that they want in any category, whether it's on LinkedIn or Facebook or text message or email. First of all, find somebody that'll mentor you because obviously if somebody else can do it, you can do it too. And Mm -hmm. that's just a, uh, just a a fact. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But you might also want to buy some, um, some books or get some training on writing Sales copy, because mm-hmm. the art of selling ver- uh, verbally is different than the art of selling through the written word. Exactly, and just like it's a different art to sell via video right. or sell on a stage, mm-hmm. all different strategy, all different uh, skill sets. And so, you know, if she was trained to sell door to door or belly to belly, as uh, Zig Zig, the great Zig Ziglar uh, used to call it, um, you know, get get a mentor, get a book. And um, Learn how to sell through, uh, through written words.
0: Yeah, agreed, agreed. You know, the reason I think a lot of companies are really hyper-focused on LinkedIn, LinkedIn sales navigator tool, which is a little expensive, but I think you can get some decent return on investment from it. People are becoming very comfortable with LinkedIn being sort of the social media for business, and they're getting real comfortable with it. And mm-hmm. I'm noticing that a lot of companies are putting a lot more pressure on their salespeople to use LinkedIn. Here's what I like about it. I don't find it to be creepy. I was talking to uh, last month on the podcast uh, to Shamika Tankerson about this, about the creepy factor. And what she said was, if you think you're being creepy, you probably are. And I'm just not a fan. Let's just say, Matt, that um, I, I'm just making this up. I don't know if you have kids or not. If you had a daughter or whatever that was uh, younger in elementary school, I just think it's odd for me to reach out to you in, in the in the sales process and say, oh, yeah, I saw on LinkedIn, or I saw on Facebook that uh, you know your daughter um, that your daughter is you know played soccer and is really loving it. You know I just think that's creepy. Um, on, <laughs> you know on LinkedIn, if I notice that your company has just broken ground on a new property, I feel very confident that I could reach out to you and say, uh, "Hey Matt, uh, saw you guys just broke ground uh, in Laguna Beach or whatever. Looks awesome. I've got a product that uh, could help you streamline your back office to." help with taxes or whatever. I feel like that just shows that I'm doing my homework. So let me ask you, how do you feel if salespeople really do their homework? Do you feel Matt more endured to them? Do you feel like maybe a obligation to reply to them if they've done their homework on you or your company?
1: Well, I certainly do. Um, yeah, a hundred percent. I did some radio advertising recently and not only did the sales uh, woman who sold me the, the, the airtime, um did she do her homework and she knew all about all my websites knew the phraseology that we use for our selling process but also when i came into the studio to record on that day they had a big screen tv in the lobby of the radio station with my logo and my picture and it was like hey this is matt skinner's day (laughs) to record his little 30 second radio spot and they just made me feel like uh you know a champion and um and and so I had a great affinity towards that it's really you know a pretty cool little thing to do but yeah she totally researched everything about our company and so she could speak my language she spoke in you know spoke into my learning and I uh and I appreciated that about her a lot
0: that's really awesome. I love that what you just said, speak my language. That's great. I think I trained her, by the way, just wink, wink, nudge, nudge. That's how I would do it. <laughs> you, <probably> um, <laughs> you know, it's really cool what she said on speaking your language. Now, let me ask you, could somebody go overboard knowing maybe too much and then it goes the other way or acting like they knew too much?
1: Mm, well, acting is always a you know problem. If you're not being authentic, I think that's always a problem. But I don't think you can ever know too much about your opponent. Um, yeah. and I don't mean to say opponent in the negative sense, but, uh, you know, the Sun Tzu, uh, art of war <laughs> has some great tactics, Yeah. Uh, whether you're in a negotiation or a sales process, you know, there's a, um, you know, you're in it to win it. And so knowing everything you can is, is I don't think is ever a negative.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, you know, the creepy thing is I think for LinkedIn is, is gone away. A lot of people felt like it was very odd or unusual to share this personal information online. And the level of transparency, whether it's in the White House or it's in this uh, on LinkedIn, is people are pretty transparent online. And those that don't want to be found, they're not going to be found. So you're not going to find information mm-hmm. about them, you know, about them anyway. All right. So if you yep. had, if you had to pick, if someone was going to connect with you on LinkedIn, or if they were going to try to uh, connect with you on text, email, or phone, as the one way to get through to Matt Skinner, what would be out of those four, what would probably be your choice then? Text message?
1: Yeah. For me, it's a hundred percent text message. It's quick. It's easy. I don't have to hear about their day or be asked how my day is going, yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> which yeah. is a little bit, you know, it sounds terrible, but it's really, you know, the speed of business these days needs to be, um, you know, more of that. Other, other personalities need that kind of uh, relationship building to, to get warm and fuzzy with, Somebody, but I I just like to get to the point. Text message works great for me.
0: Now, what if they, what if you don't know them? What if it's a complete stranger? Would that, how do you feel about that?
1: Well, um, I think that that is, that's a really good question. I think a lot of people get a little bit spooked because we do uh, cold text, if you will, um, in our business. It's actually pretty new for us. And um, a lot of people just get upset about it. Um, I think that people probably get upset. And if you cold called them or, spam them by email too you probably just don't hear about it as directly as people feel very brave to text you back some things that are not very nice um but if the the numbers are there you know if you spend a hundred bucks to text a few thousand people and you get four or five i mean for me a a couple of sales is worth tens of thousands of dollars a hundred bucks is nothing whereas you know uh Getting email addresses and and generating cold calls and you know, all the whole process is just a much faster process that we're, we're able to uh, accelerate the whole process with,
0: yeah, it makes sense. You know I spent a lot of I spent thousands of dollars in therapy to realize something that was pretty obvious, and that is one hundred percent satisfaction <laughs> from a marketing campaign. <laughs> Is not going to happen. You are going to get some haters.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does take therapy to learn that. It? <laughs>
0: it did for me, brother. It did for me. So, hey, so um, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, good thoughts on the on the text conversation. I have people ask about that all the time. Uh, when I'm speaking to conferences or whatever, I always have a hand go up and and talk about texting. And I've always been kind of one of those people. Mm, you know, I don't know. Um, but if I want to reach. You know the multimillionaires out there. Maybe I just need to pick that uh, that phone up. You're not the first person on this uh, this show to mention uh, you know text messaging. So it's something that we probably need to think about. So, all right, um, go ahead. Another
1: avenue
0: for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. So um, Angie from uh, from Philadelphia, from Philly, has a question uh, for us, and it's interesting. And I wonder what your thoughts are. She says I can get an appointment with people with no problem. So that that's. Interesting right there in and of itself, a salesperson that can get appointments, no problem. So I can get an appointment, no problem, but people are canceling all the time at the last minute. One guy canceled mm. this morning, 15 minutes before our meeting. I love face-to-face sales. I need meetings to close deals. Any thoughts or advice in helping me get new clients not to cancel the meetings we've got set? Any thoughts on, on that one, Matt.
1: Well, first of all, I'll say, uh, if she can get meetings with no problem, then I would love to have her send her a, a resume over to me. Right on. <laughs> right on. But, uh, so, congratulations on that, first of all. Second of all, if you have people canceling on you, it sounds like you live in Los Angeles, <laughs> not in Philadelphia, because everybody knows it's the flakiest city in the world. By the way, I grew up there, so i uh, done a lot of business there, and so I can say that. Right. Uh, <laughs> Uh in public anyway. Right. But no, it's it's very true. The um man, I think it all comes down to how you frame your position. In fact, I teach my salespeople because we have the same problem. In fact, being in LA and being from LA, my office has been in LA for the last uh, 16 years. We just moved to Orange County, which is south of Los Angeles in a totally different uh environment. Mm-hmm. Um, but people would cancel all the time, and so one of the things we would frame our When we schedule an appointment, it's like, hey, listen, um, if you can't make it, it's it's really important that you reschedule or you let me know ahead of time because if you cancel – and I train my salespeople. And they're setting up a meeting with me. If you cancel on Matt, if you cancel on Matt without notice, we're not ever going to let you invest with us again. Mm-hmm. Like because we only do business with people that have integrity. Because we operate our business with the highest level of integrity that we possibly can put forward, and that's the only kind of person that we want to mm-hmm. have invest with us. Right. And across the board, it's almost like anchoring where these people say, "Oh my God, I would never cancel. I would never, you know, do say I would be somewhere and not show up." And then they ha- then they remember that, right? You're you're anchoring that commitment deep on a deep deep uh, level. Now, some people's style might they might say, "Oh my gosh, I could never say that to my clients." But the reality is, if you've got something amazing for people. Mm-hmm. And if you're in sales and you don't believe what you have is amazing for people, you should get sell something else, first of all. That's right. the first thing. Right. But secondly, if you've got something that's awesome, I mean, the greatest salesman that ever lived it was a guy named Saul of Tarsus. And I'm going to go on a little tangent a little bit here. Um, Saul of Tarsus was a guy who was walking down a road. His job was to persecute early Christians, right? And he saw, saw something that changed his life. And he was a hundred percent dedicated to telling everybody what the good news is that he learned. Hmm. Right. Now I don't care if you're a Christian, Muslim, Jewish, what it doesn't, this isn't a religious uh, story that I'm talking about. I'm talking about a guy who had something that he genuine be- genuinely believed would help people improve their lives and have a better life, not only in this world, but in the afterlife too, or, or in the af- after, after uh, past life. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was unstoppable because he, he was mission-driven to help people get better, become better, have a better life. And when we act like that as salespeople, I know that my investments are sound. I know that when people invest with me, they're going to make a return and they're going to have less risk than they can than they would have investing in the stock market or any of those other casino-type investment opportunities that, that are out there. Right. And so I feel 100% justified, le- legitimate, a hundred percent. Just, Hey, I want to help you. Let me show you how to get out of your crappy little impotent investments that you have your little 401k or retirement program. And let me show you how to like really make some money. Cause I found the way and I want to show you. Nice. And so, I, you know, I, I, think that, um, when you have that frame, it's easy to say, Hey, listen, it's really important that we keep this appointment because you know, I, I'm not going to do business with you if you're the kind of person that breaks their commitments because I'm yeah. not that kind of person. No, but it also puts a lot of pressure on you, too. you got to be the guy or the gal who does what they said they're, they're going to do. And that's that's a huge uh, responsibility once you step across that line. Oh, absolutely.
0: Player. You know, the big thing I notice, I don't know if you notice this. It seems like a lot of salespeople sell from a point of being subservient or sell out of desperation. And so because mm. of that, what you're talking about is taking more of an alpha position. And I really, really agree with that and hope all the listeners will really understand the, you know, just the the really the, the minute detail in there of Matt, what you're saying. And that is you need to be in a position, a more of a power position and 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 saying to people, man, I, I'm setting this meeting with you. I'm going to be there. Um, You know, I expect that you're going to be there. But all too often, Matt, I don't know why. I hear people say things like, now, if you need to cancel, you know, let me know. It's not a big deal. It is a big deal because time mm. is of the essence. And I hate mm-hmm. to say time is money because it's kind of cliche-ish, but I feel like pe- salespeople are like, it's okay. If you need to cancel, it's okay. The other thing is a lot of people confirm meetings the day before or the morning before. And in doing so, I find, I kind of find that that gives people, oh, yeah, I need to cancel that. It gives them mm-hmm. a reason to cancel. So. This is my opinion, just Ryan Dorn. I'd wonder if your yours is maybe different. I actually confirm meetings electronically, like it's on the calendar already. I don't reach mm-hmm. out to somebody to give them an opportunity to reschedule. I put it on their phone, <laughs> but I don't, I don't call them or reach out to them to reconfirm. If we said we're going to be there, we're going to be there. What's your opinion on that? I'd be interested to know.
1: Well, I think uh, I agree with you. Um, the truth of the matter is I don't confirm appointments, uh, personally, mostly just cause I'm too busy too. So, right. uh, perhaps also because the frame I come from is when you say you're going to be there, you'll be there. Right and, on. uh, and so I, so I am, but, um, and I think that's what made me more successful in LA or made me able to be successful in LA. Uh, and I, I joke about this, but it's, it's the honest truth. I started out in business as a general contractor at age 22 in Los Angeles, California. And if, what I found was if I just showed up when I said I would show up, called people back, responded to them when they had a problem, <laughs> I was ultra successful as a contractor because people were like, "Oh my God, who is this like creature from a different planet?" Like, "Oh my geez, that's crazy!" <laughs> and you know, it was just, that's how my dad raised me. It wasn't it wasn't like something like that's just who. We are and and that helped me tremendously. Yeah, I, uh, helped me tremendously.
0: That's awesome. I had a guy the other day. He said, um, "Wow, uh, Ryan, you you called me back." I'm like, "Dude, I'm I'm a sales strategist. I teach people to sell. Why would I not call you back?" And he said something to me that's crazy. He said, "Ryan, I reached out to four different people." to have them speak at my national sales meeting, four, and he gave me the names of all of them. I was one of them. He said, out of the four, you're the only person that actually contacted me back. And I know two of the other people, they're not that busy. So I'm amazed. And I think it's awesome that that's the way that you were uh, brought up. So big props to your, uh, you know, to your folks for raising you that way. That's cool. (laughs)
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, thank you very much. I just, um, I just wrote a book, uh, that's come out. In fact, uh, if you don't mind, I'll give the website. Yeah, no, your, go for I it.
0: Your, I just uh, was going to yeah, say my big plug, how do people find out more about you and what's the, you know, what's all the stuff you got cooking they can be a part of.
1: You no, know, I appreciate that in a big way. I, so I was going to say the, in the book, um, I really talk about, well, it's called Dealmaker manifesto nice. and it's really about, um, you know, it's, it's partioned off about, or I should say it's positioned, as a real estate book about how to make deals in real estate. In fact, the subtitle is "How to uh, Make Deals and Get Paid." But the, um, the 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 real crux of the book is what I call um, the five pillars about becoming a deal maker. And it's not really about how to do real estate transactions, and it's not really about the nuts and bolts of real estate. Although I tell a bunch of stories, cool stories about real estate deals I've done. It's really about who you have to be in order to do and have the things that you want in life. And the things that you, who you need to be are the five pillars. You need to be a great marketer. You need to be a salesperson. You have to have negotiation skills and you need to have business uh, management systems in place so that you can duplicate successes without putting out the same amount of effort. Mm -hmm. And number five is financial intelligence. And when you practice and master those five pillars of becoming a deal, a great deal maker, then you can, uh, go and do all the things that you want to do in life. Be, be, do, and have all the things that you want to do in life. And, uh, including being a real estate investor or whatever, uh, path you pursue, especially. And I think this really applies to, uh, specifically to salespeople in, in a big way, because yeah. everything you do is yeah. selling. Yeah. It makes it's sense. all selling.
0: Yeah. It makes sense. Man, this is good information. Thanks uh, so much for taking some time and of your uh, busy schedule. I appreciate it. Well, let What do, them, let do to people go line. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, thank
1: it. you very much. It's um, dealmakerbook.com, and the book's actually uh, free right now. So we're pre-launch. The book's free. Pay for shipping and handling. You get a copy of the book. Um, the book talks about the five pillars we just discussed. And then I also run uh, an advanced secret society of dealmakers, um, which is a group of people that are committed – to, um, to helping each other out to get better at real estate investing. So we primarily focus on, uh, buying apartment buildings and, um, we have a lot of fun working together, sharing what's working, what's not working inside trading, if you will, uh, swapping deals and flipping properties to each other. And it's a really exciting experience, uh, to be able to lead a a group of, of people like that. So it's, it's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Excellent. Well, folks, I hope you appreciate, um, you know, getting uh, sort of an outsider, if you will,'s opinion on this whole sales game. And, you know, when I do these interviews, Matt, I never know where they're going to go. I never know what someone like you is going to say. And I'm thrilled um, at some of the insights, uh, all the insights that you were able to give to uh, to our listeners. So we appreciate it. I appreciate it. And if you would just give us uh, the rundown on those websites one more time as everybody's trying to make notes about where to go find information about you and your programs
1: sure well i appreciate that very much the book is free at dealmakerbook.com um so check it check out that uh website our business website is West investments.com where you can see some of our cool projects newport beach property some of the uh, we, we build multi multi-million dollar homes in los angeles and orange county and so if you just like cool architecture um Or if you're in the market for ten to twenty million dollar house, we have lots of cool pictures of stuff we built there, and that's a a lot of fun too. Awesome. And then the secret society is DealMakersociety.com, and it's a, a monthly membership program, and we we just we. Teach, coach, train, mentor people that want to be real estate investors in such a high-level capacity. And it's really an advanced training program for uh, for real estate investors, which is uh, which is a lot really exciting.
0: Matt, thanks so much for being a part of the program. We sure appreciate it, and you're welcome to come back anytime. Don't forget, friends, that's a Matt Skinner and the Deal Maker. Manifesto. Friends, we love to have your listener questions sent in. Thanks, Matt, for taking those questions and answering them with me. Send those questions into Ryan at RyanDorn.com. And I thank you once again for listening to the podcast for this month of September. Love to come to your office and train your teams. I work in uh, 17 different sectors and I love to come and train your team or speak at your conference. Uh, Maybe you'd like to work with John uh, or myself here as a sales coach. Uh, John's been coaching people for many, many years, and so have I. Reach out to us, and you can find us over at salestrainingworld.com. So, all right, friends. Don't forget, if sales was easy, everybody be doing it, and they're not. So we're either crazy, or we found a career that will feed our families for a lifetime. Take care. God bless. Get out there and sell something out in the street. And don't forget, send your listener questions, and I'll have my experts... Answer them and dissect them with you to Ryan at RyanDorn.com. Ryan at RyanDorn.com. D-O-H-R-N. All right, get out there and sell something so that your boss can afford to hire me and bring me in. Would you? Take care. We'll see you out on the street. Check us out online at SalestrainingWorld.com.